starting. Um, we are on the air. Um, not the air, but the air. <laughs> Up there. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so, wow. I want to be like, welcome to not the name of our podcast. <laughs> thinking of someone else's introduction. <laughs> I'm your host, Brandon. <laughs> can't tell i may or may not be um out of practice this is <laughs> oh my god the, the, you are really going behind the curtain on a show about stages <laughs> uh, i might be in a stage of denial who knows um <laughs> we are bf goggles um welcome welcome uh, i've missed you i hope you've missed us so dead today. <laughs> <laughs> I suppose so. Um, are you going to introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, I'm Francesca. Um, and so, you know, it's been a minute since um, we've been able to record. Um, we're just in this whirlwind that is life. This mm-hmm. chaotic uh, twirl of destruction and creation and all the things. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have come together... Uh, to talk about this uh, series that is, like, uh, an interesting compilation of uh, genre called oh, Shoujo Kageki Review Starlight, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. So this is a show that Francesca and I um, were really into. Uh, it is a magical girl show but it has theater elements that also take inspiration from revolution revolutionary girl utana mm-hmm. um and the classic uh, yeah and is doing something that is very similar to um a madoka-esque movie um and what we what i mean by that is that madoka after it aired kind of had like a two recap movies for the season and then had a third movie that was kind of a sequel. Um, that is a sequel, not mm. kind of. Um, and so Review Starlight kind of uh, embodies the structure by having one recap movie and then. Um, well, it has a well, it has a recap movie and then it has this movie, which is sequentially after this. Yeah, it's like after the series. But I, uh, I don't know. Were they because didn't this movie come out? Oh, this movie came out second, huh? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah. Oh. <laughs> I don't know why I thought Rondo 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 came out after. Yeah. I think yeah. it just had less was hype. All twisted around. Yeah, my to watch this movie. space time. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, my bad. So, yeah. It is really it yeah, just... you're right. It is totally a, like a a copy, not a copy, but it does borrow heavily from that format. Yes, yeah. Um, I don't think it'll be doing, like, another sequel. Like, it kind of feels like it's complete in some kind of ways. And I think that anime um, sometimes is um, interested in preserving uh, time. Mm. And so because the where the movie ends, it kind of feels like we wouldn't really return to them. Um, it feels like if the anime was returned, it would be either in a 
uh, revived kind of form, kind of featuring its phone game that we both play, mm-hmm. or it would feature like a new set of girls with cameos. Um, right. In my opinion. Also, still like um, Magia record. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. <laughs> totally. Um, we are just saying magical. This is magical girl stuff. Um, <laughs> we actually like have you know in the last episode talked about review a lot so we're like very like you know what we're talking about yeah you may know in the future again Who if knows? you didn't know before um, yeah i feel like i wanted to say it's so bright because that's all appropriate but who knows maboshi, um, maboshi. <laughs> so uh francesca can you kind of give us a rundown i know i did in like a genre way okay um but you know, what happened in the TV series, like, in a quick summary. Can we do it? Holy smokes. Okay. Can well, we do this... it together? Yeah. You're really going to be filling in some gaps. So then the series is about um, this group of girls who are, like, part of the 99th class of Seisho Music Academy, I feel like. Yeah. And so they're all basically in the, like, theater um, division and there are there's nine okay nine yeah there's nine girls um basically the story revolves more around um karen and um her kind of quest to be you know top star sort of and then it sets up with her and her childhood friend who they like decide they want to do this play starlight together fast forward to being in this school her friend who she hasn't seen in years suddenly appears and like joins the cast in this epic battle to become top star which by the way involves this like giraffe that randomly like urges them to fight and then they have like full-on dueling dancing epic like battles and um it's like very much like an escalator like uh series you know she's constantly going battling and battling and like the episodes focus on the person or pair that she's battling and then she you know finally uh reaches the point where she has to battle her friend and um as far as i'm concerned just emotional moments ensue and um I think it ends with them both becoming top star. Right? Um uh okay. So <laughs> That's this the is big... mostly this is this is mostly a very good summary. <laughs> um it they're called reviews, which is where review comes from the title. These like fights between the two girls. Um feels important. Um and then because we're gonna probably talk about the movie in the sections of reviews that happen throughout the movie. True. Um and then uh I don't know if you said that Hikari you did say that Hikari transferred over. Mm-hmm. Um so I feel like one of this is spoilers, but we tell you spoilers all the time and it feels important to know is that uh to become top star is you get to be on the stage that uh, you want to in any time or space. And so that's important um, because you find out that the girls are kind of in a loop because of one of the characters um, who I love um, (laughs) is constantly winning this review and kind of putting them back into the point of like their first play. So one of the nine girls has looped them. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And so this is like kind of important because, you know, the movie is about like kind of moving forward, right? And they couldn't move forward unless they got out of this loop. Um, and it's about kind of like pushing their relationships like forward in some way, like out of the stasis. Uh, and then, you know, because time and space is really important about like how they can win, um, you know, Hikari actually wins, but she like wants to do this ultimate sacrifice because to become the top star, you have to like remove everyone else's brilliance. So they like lose like the passion to be on stage. And so Hikari doesn't want to do this to Karen or to anyone else, but mostly for Karen. And so she kind of puts herself into this like um, outside of time and space. She like ends up like doing the play on her own, mm. um, outside time and space, and so um, no one like remembers who Hikari is, or like she. I don't actually remember how it goes. I don't remember if it's like she like transferred or if she's just like not remembered. Remembered. Um, I don't remember because they use the storyline again in the phone game, um, and so they definitely forget about the person who's lost in time and space in the phone game. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's like part of the caveat. And so Karen has to go find Hikari who's lost in time and space. It's almost like they kind of overpower the system of the review so that no one is sacrificed and they're able to like move forward with their lives. I don't think it's that they both become top star since top star is supposed to like be a renouncing of someone's gift i think it's like they like beat the system because uh karen can't live without her Mm -hmm. Um, take that for as you will um (laughs) and so that's kind of the that's kind of the series it kind of ends on this kind of epic breaking through time um in space huh do you not remember that i no, i remember that they like basically broke it but i i couldn't um yeah, I was hazy on like like how it resolved in terms of them being top star or not. I thought I guess I thought like they had been top star because of like certain points in the movie, I guess, which we'll get to, but Yeah. Yeah, so I didn't um They didn't both become top that. star when they fight Maya and Claudine because there's that moment where Claudine's like Maya won't lose to anybody. Mm-hmm. Um and then uh they in that moment, there's, like, there's only two of you. Like, one of you has to um, become top star. And Hikari betrays Karen and throws her off the stage. Right, right. And then I thought that she was, like, in stasis because she kind of refused to, like, finish it. No, she's, like, I'm playing a play. And oh. The play is, yeah. She's, like, endlessly doing the play herself. Yes. Right. Okay. And so she's like, she's like lost in this time and space, being like, I will, I'm the sacrifice, right? Because yeah. like this is this is one of the ways in which it like mirrors magical girl uh, moments where Hakari essentially uh, takes on like the sacrificial magical girl that Madoka kind of has uh, a reintroduced in the extreme kind of way as a trope for magical girl series. You know, Madoka's mm-hmm. not the only one who sacrifices herself. There's definitely moments in Sa- Sailor Moon of sacrificing um, and in other magical girl shows. But Madoka's kind of the one where, like, I'd sacrifice my humanity for the greater good, right? And so Hikari does this on, like, a smaller scale. They both just um, become a concept. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Hikari gets saved from being a concept, but... Yeah. 
I mean, she's yeah. like she's like doing the ultimate concept art. She's just like, I am outside of space and time doing this play by myself for no one but me. <laughs> yes, totally. <laughs> um, yeah, and I think that they like maybe... So Rondo Rondo kind of retells the movies. And I think they might um, re reframe some of those moments. I think Kikati is more apologetic when she betrays Karen where like in the TV series she's not apologetic at all uh-huh. from my memory. So I think they like kind of retweak some things in Rondo Rondo Rondo. Um hmm. but yeah, and then so I'm going to do a really quick cast so because there are nine characters. Mm-hmm. Um I'm going to do that and then I think we're going to just kind of move forward to talking about the movie cuz right. that's kind of a summary of the show. Yeah. Um <laughs> So there's nine characters. We have Karen, um, Ijo, who is uh, whose sign- <laughs> whose image color is red. Um, she's kind of the main lead, just kind of ganky, um, which is like very happy-go-lucky. Um, she is kind of airheaded. She sleeps in. Um, she tries to do everything kind of through the force of her good-naturedness. Um, we have her counterpart Hikari, who kind of fits more of the like. Um, quiet not like stoic she's more stoic she doesn't say many words she's kind of gorgeous she seems to be just like top star material Mm -hmm. um she's from she's from this theater school in london even though she's originally from japan so Mm. she went abroad for study and now she's back so she has like an air of mystery around her um also a little airheaded um but it's fleshed out in other media um we then have Mahiru, um, and she, I was like, oh, I actually know Hikari's last name. I didn't say that. I'm so sorry. Anyway, we have Mahiru. Mahiru is, um, like, the supportive lady-in-waiting to Karen, um, kind of the uh, pair, because um, these girls are often paired. Um, with each other um, to to Karen before Hikari kind of reintroduces herself as a childhood friend. Mm. Um, in other medium, you kind of get like a trio vibe between Karen, Hikari, and Mahiru. Uh, but the TV shows and movies, she kind of feels very like off to the side. She has an obsession with baseball. She's a great cook. Um, her family does potato farming. Um, then we have... Um, Futaba. Um, Futaba is another lady in waiting. Um, but this time <laughs> uh, to Kuroko. Um, they kind of are childhood friends themselves. Um, Futaba is the person that supports um, Kuroko, who's kind of also lazy, loves sweets. Um, Kuroko is like a weird uh, take on the Yamato Nadeshko, where like she's supposed to embody a Yam- Yamato Nadeshko on some level, but she doesn't because she's kind of uh, always trying to rule the world and she's greedy and really self centered. Um, but Futaba is, you know, her samurai of sorts. Um, <laughs> it's like the best way to describe the both of them. Um, then there's uh, Juna and Nana. Juna is book smart. She's the smart one. She's often in her head. She says a lot of literary quotes. I also realized I stopped doing image colors after Karen. Um, 
<laughs> it is what it is. If you want to know the image colors, uh, I'll try to recap maybe if we have time. Um, <laughs> but June, <laughs> June, <laughs> June is book smart. She does quotes. She's level-headed. She's often an overthinker. Um, I'm also not saying weapons for any of these people. I'm doing a really injustice of introducing them. I apologize. There's a lot of characters. Um, and then there's Nana Daiba, who's her pair. Um, she's kind of the tall mother of the group. Um, and also a good cook. She usually uh, does treats. Um, her because of the way that uh, because of the way that Japanese uh, usually say names, she's like Dai Banana. So then you get the banana, and so she has a banana aesthetic, right? Mm. Did, I, did I do that right? Banana. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, yeah. Dai banana. Yeah, banana. dai dai banana. Yeah, so big yeah, banana. So that's, <laughs> yeah, so that's why. So that's why she has a banana trope, and she's tall, and kind of all these things. Um, she seems to be very sweet. Mm. Um, seems. Seems. And then, <laughs> and then our last few characters, last but not least, is um, Claudine, who is kind of um, a child actor. She is. Uh, part French, um, so she, like, does some French throughout it. Um, she's one of the stronger students. You would assume she's number two in the class, the way that she is. That might not be her actual number, but in terms of rankings, um, Claudine is supposed to be below only one person she can't beat, mm. which is Maya. Maya Tendo. Um, again, wow. Image colors like a gray. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so Maya Tendo is kind of, you know, the epitome of the uh, girls' school before Hikari kind of shows up. She is the one to beat. She has the poise, the charisma, the force, the power. Um, you would think that would make her a Mary Sue kind of character, but um, she's kind of not. She kind of has, uh, you know, texture. This is also going to be really hard for us to talk about in some ways because there's an entire phone game that's just having its third year anniversary for its global um, release three and a half for Japan. And so, like, there's so much texture that we have experienced from this phone game in relationship to the show that has, like, really fleshed out characters, some characters to a degree. Right. So if you watch, like, the TV series, you might be like, oh, I'm not seeing all of this. Or if you watch the movie, you might be like, oh, I'm not seeing all of this in my description. And it's just because, um, yeah, there's a lot of content. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know... This is not a phone game right? for the light of heart, is all I will say. Hmm. So, those are our cast of nine. Indeed. Um, and so, you know, the movie kind of begins with, um, like, them, like, I want to say another year in the future, because they're now third years, and they're graduating. And it's kind of like, what will these stage girls do um, in the after? So I guess like a good, I mean, we could focus on, I, I, I realize like a couple of things. We focus so much on uh, summarizing the show that we have not gotten to summarizing the movie. Right. But I think that, um, you know, let's talk about viewing it all together. Um, just kind of what were your impressions, um, Francesca, about the movie as it begins? Um, well, I think, I don't know. I When you said 
Um, obviously, I got stuck on the fact that you said loop. And <laughs> at the beginning, definitely, I think it, it didn't, I mean, I took it in stride at the time, and I, I do play the game a lot, so it didn't quite, like, feel, like, as jarring as I think about it now, but, like, you really do get a sense that they're all kind of, like, like tense about something mm -hmm. when they're going through these interviews. So, like, you know, the first, I think, first uh, introduction to everybody is, like, having them walk into, like, the career advisor with their applications and their plans, and then you get reintroduced to all the girls and also hear what their plans moving forward is. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, it seems kind of apparent early on that everybody's like, oh, this is ending. But I guess I didn't think about how that meant when it's just like, yeah, y'all have been in a loop for God knows how long. <laughs> <laughs> this is some impressive shit that's happening to you. Yeah, and it's, like, kind of trying to take this, like, win window of, like, what do you do, how do you move forward in, a, in relationships that are, like, very intense, that ask you to change, but you, like, almost want to hold on to being the same, right? Mm -hmm. um, it's kind of, like, like, the big kind of overarching plot. And it's really interesting because there's, like, all these things that, like, the, that they show you rather than tell you, mm -hmm. right? Um, so, like, a really big moment in the beginning of the movie is Kuroko kind of pops off on everybody because everyone's being, like, kind of playing nice, right? And it's almost like we've all lost our edge, right? Mm -hmm. And Kuroko is like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, she doesn't say that exactly. <laughs> and then she sees Claudine, and she's kind of like, fuck you, Claudine. Right. And you have no idea why she's like, fuck you, Claudine, unless you, like, really pay attention, right, to, like, what people are saying and who's saying what. Mm -hmm. um, and so it's this really interesting thing where, like, you have to, like, piece together um, certain plot things that happen because you're seeing them so in the moment of this, like, precipice into the unknown. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. Tensions are high. Tensions are so high. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so it is like a very, I felt my, I felt like watching it, I like was really trying to focus on all those little things because mm -hmm. I know them so well. Mm -hmm. And I was like trying to insert in the like plot. Um, yeah. Mm. So uh, because Review is like all about kind of fight scenes, um, the girls are like on their way to like some show or to some academy and they're like checking it out um or they were go were like... they going to an academy or were they going to a theater they're about to watch they... something they you're right they're going to a theater i think it's at a troupe that they like some of them were thinking about doing which is why i was thinking about school yeah i think it's like uh, the national theater or some shit because two people want to go there and they're excited about it kaoruko is like three but is it three sorry. it's mahiru and Futaba and... And Maya. Oh, yeah. Three of, three of them go there. Oh, yeah. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> You're fine. Yeah, Maya didn't... Okay. Yeah, so three of them wanted to go there. They're pumped. Like, 
Um, Kaoroko said she wanted to do, um, well, Karuko said she wanted to go back to Kyoto. So she's already got her plan to go take over the dance school. So she's like, whatever. And she's also pissed for a reason that she doesn't explain when they're going to the theater. And then, like, Karen is just deep in thought, basically. Karen's depressed. Yeah. <laughs> it's, like, weird because she's, like, depressed, but her, like, stage acting is, like, better. Right. Like, it's, like, weird because she, like, is a powerhouse stage acting, but then she's, but, like, yeah. And she's depressed because Hikari just, like, withdrew from the school and we mm-hmm. don't know why. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so Hikari isn't there with them on the train. Um, I can't remember what Dun- Junna wanted to do. Juna wanted to go back to school. Oh. She, like, didn't want to do play acting. She, like, wanted to go to, like, a university. Right. And I think she was going abroad. Mm. Like, I think, she's, I think she ends up in the States. Oops. Spoilers. Spoilers. Um, <laughs> and, you know, time moves forward for these people. Right. <laughs> they grow. Um, they do. Yeah. So, you know, they end up on this train. They on, they're on a train to somewhere. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and... You know, so part of the review fights is that they like, you know, they're on a stage. They end up being metaphorical. They try to use these symbols, which is kind of the inspiration from Revolution in Girl Utena that is like heavy symbol symbology. Um, and so uh, a review breaks out on the train. Mm-hmm. Um, which is, and it's also like very. Um technological like all basically everybody is getting like a text message being like <laughs> like where are you gonna go and then oh yeah 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 and, and so oh go ahead sorry oh no continue i was just gonna say like this like means that like because it's all like the stage and like the symbology like the movie ends up being this like heavy metaphor not metaphor series of like scenes mm-hmm. um and it kind of and while this is happening you're also kind of getting like almost like a more fleshed out and surprisingly twist on hikari and Karen, karen's friendship and backstory mm-hmm. um because hikari is so ginky and you kind of realize in this like backstory that she actually was like the shy one apparently in the group and she was like the one that was like more antisocial and Hakati was more of the like glowy happy one. Um mm. but you what was I saying? Oh yeah, you get you're gonna get these kind of like metaphorical, kind of really intense scenes um that are trying to like go through plot. And so at this point in the movie, like shit is about to be surreal. Right. <laughs> and like so like you kind of get, like, an introduction of tension, and then we're going to get, like, a series of surreal fights that kind of are actively addressing each kind of pair's issue. Right. But before um, we get to the pair-off, we got fucking Nana. <laughs> yeah. We got Nana Daiba fucking going ham. Hikari's not there, so it's 1v7 yeah. on them. Mm-hmm. And it's, like, beautiful choreo, like... Fucking Nana Daiba being cold and emotionless and just wrecking them. Right. Um, 
being like you are this... all weak <laughs> yeah and then it like, gets like really it gets really um it's interesting because it gets like really uh theater theatrical really fast because they like start donna starts talking as if she's on a stage mm-hmm. right? um and in like uh, alluding to a lot alluding to these things that you should like know about um yeah, and she fucking wrecks them. Yeah, she does. Oh my god, she, she like, what did she do? She she took out, um, what is it, Kaoroko and Futaba, like basically with one sword. Yeah. And then maybe even Jenna with one sword, or and and then like the other sword arrived on another train or some shit. And she's like, perfect. Yeah. <laughs> Like oh oh wait you mean this was just the one remember she has two <laughs> yeah yeah because Nana died with dual wields um yeah. yeah and then she like takes out the rest of them and it's really good mm-hmm. um this is something we're going to talk about a moment briefly that I was like I was taken out of and I wish they didn't so the way that they fight is that um they're supposed to kind of take away this crest this like star crest that's like tying their like um their coats to themselves these like coats that they're wearing mm. um and so this is definitely pulled from revolutionary girl utina where um all the fights are done done by like kind of like trying to strike this like rose off their opponent mm. um you know i gotta give i gotta give it inspiration where inspiration is due it's true um and so you know when nana does all of this and she like fucks them all up mm-hmm. um there's a moment where like like blood just spurts everywhere and you think for like 10 seconds maybe less that like the wounds that they were doing the fighting that they were doing that was all kind of metaphorical is like suddenly real Mm. and that like nana like has potentially like killed like all of them (laughs) and i was so we're just gonna let it be for a second i was so disappointed by how quickly they were like it's tomato juice, like, get it together. <laughs> like, Maya does it so quick. Yeah. Um, and there's just, like, spray, and then they all just, like, fall to the ground. So it's just like, oh, fuck, she is taking them out. Yeah, and I just, like, wish... I wish that Maya... I mean, it is in character of Maya to, like, notice, like, a prop when the prop is happening. Mm-hmm. Um, but I just, like, wish that we, like, got that moment of, like, kind of horror, like, longer... And I f- wish that, like, the audience, because the because the, sh- the series itself is so metaphorical, it would have been so cool to, like, see, like, each one of them, like, fall the way that Karen's falls in, like, their different color. Mm. And, like, almost, like, emerge into, like, their, um, their review, like, as if they died. You know what I mean? Because the the basically the narratively, you just find out that like nothing's wrong with them; they just got to get over it. <laughs> right. They just like had their yeah. They did this like got smacked up a little bit, and they're like, "All right, pull it together, pull it together. We have to do our scenes." Yeah, fully, and like it kind of gets away from the metaphor, like the really beautiful fucking shots of them with their like deceased self because there's like two of them suddenly and they're all like doing like different like um positions with the two of them but with that with their mirroring of themselves but for like the next song Mm. um where they're talking about like like dying and like needing needing to move on Mm -hmm. it just would have been so nice to not have the illusion of the tomato juice there and Mm. it just being trippy 
you know. Well, the yeah, I think this doesn't the movie open with like there are multiple scenes of like a tomato imploding or someone eating a tomato. Yeah. And they even make the giraffe into like an entire vegetable giraffe at some point. Right. Which is like one a, a nod to some art style. I can't remember what it is and I feel very bad about it. Um I think Leopold II is the painting that's famously done of him but it's all in fruit or something like that. But mm-hmm. um like all of them at some point I think eat a tomato after it's after obviously they've all been slain quote unquote slain by nana but then like after their subsequent scenes or something like that there's like this moment where they kind of eat the fruit (laughs) it's just like oh okay i can't tell if this is like a a like knowledge like garden of eden thing Mm, 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 mm -hmm. like okay now that we've like tasted of this thing we're gonna go out in the world yeah that that's like a returning metaphor but since it is tomato juice, I'm all, I I was wondering like how does the tomato juice relate to the fruit, and it really there isn't really too much horror here. I mean I think Utena is a better example, like the movie of like moments of actual horror, like body horror kind of. Right. And um, like this obviously isn't body horror. It's maybe like shocking, but it's like this movie reminded me more of like Paranoia Agent or like um. Oh, uh-huh. Millennium Actress or something than Utena in terms of like f- fantasy because it's it's not so much I mean it's kind of magical but it's more psychological like Utena which is like like Anthe is actually a witch <laughs> right like there's like something a little bit different there yeah like there's a there's an actual magical element versus this which is like sort of magical realism and like clearly fantasy because it's about the stage and like mm-hmm. being in different skin or something like that or like taking on assuming this role but right. you know and that's all hyper metaphorical but it doesn't actually in a way i guess it's it's purpose it, it's always unreal like you know it's not real you know what i mean yeah 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 and i think that like that's why i wanted it to lean more into like surrealism mm-hmm. because which the Utena movie ends up doing right like that you're like kind of confused about if you're supposed to understand something as being factual but then ultimately you have to like let it go because it's not about whether it's factual or Mm -hmm. not right Mm -hmm. it's about kind of like the uh, emotions that are elicited um and like disorientation as a movement towards emotion is a part of that experience i feel like Mm -hmm. and so even though like there's a way to like maybe thread the the, the tomato as kind of symbolic it ultimate feels like i just wanted i just wanted to be in the horror mm. in that moment for mm. a little longer yeah um i think we are actually a little longer on this podcast <laughs> 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 giving you a moment of being like oh she really fucking slayed all of them yeah in the movie you know what i mean and it's like it doesn't even last that long yeah it doesn't, yeah, and, like, it could have just lasted, like, just, like, a few more seconds, and I might not have the same feelings about it. Um, yeah. But from, like, uh, <laughs> uh, so from here on, uh, you know, the movie's kind of really discreetly separated into each of the reviews that occur, um, in that these, the the reviews are, are it's interesting because, like, the eight, or, no, 
seven of them are, are kind of like on the train consistently together um throughout it even though they're doing reviews mm-hmm. and then um hikari is somewhere specific or like traveling somewhere so specific and so is karen mm-hmm. like they're both they're both in like specific areas it might be that there's a reversal that karen's kind of lost somewhere and hikari is on her way to her no yeah they like they a... definitely i think so after the that train stage basically i think i feel like nana continues on to her next everybody like goes to their next stage but Hikari wasn't in the re- the review yet, and so she's in like the London tube station, and mm-hmm. then all of a sudden, like it it like switches to the giraffe is in the train. Basically, is like Karen needs you, and then Hikari's like, oh, Karen's in trouble, and gets on the train, and right. then so you kind of know that she's heading towards wherever Karen's heading. Because Karen was also on a different train, but Karen's train heads back out into the desert. So it is kind of like she's already at that stage, sort of. Or like, it's hard to know where it's hard to know where she is. But she's definitely the one who's lost, and Hikari is on her way to get to Karen. But like, I think Hikari meets up with everyone at least once, right? I don't. I'm this not... is uh, yeah. this is this is where our memories are gonna. I've watched this a little bit before Francesca, and so it's just yeah. like, uh, about a month maybe since I saw it. Mm. Um, I think that Karen on, or Hikari only meets up with one of them. Hikari meets up with, um, Mahiru, with Mahiru, and then but they're both fighting. Because at this point, the movie just becomes like a series of reviews in right. my memory. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, so like I feel like we should, could just talk about it that way because I think the 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 thing that you're feeling that's like interwoven between it is what ends up being the like past between Karen and Hikari, which feels like movement. Mm, okay, but wait, which one's the next one? Well, so in order of the reviews, because I figured that's how we were going to talk about them um, briefly or whatever, um, is Futaba and Karoko. They're yeah. first. And that one's kind of introduced. Maya's there briefly? Or is Karoko talking to... No, no, she's talking to Claudine. Claudine. And Claudine, yeah, I have a note that was like, oh my fucking God, this Claudine role, I'm dead, I've died. <laughs> I I was really like, holy, this is amazing. This is brilliant. Because yeah. she was like um, sort of like a random fucking like gambler. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Yeah, because Karoko is being, like, kind of, like, um, mom's Yakuza, like, house, like, like head. Right. And she's... Doing a gambling house. Yeah, yeah. she's doing, like, the game, which is yeah. actually frequently involved in, like, Zatoichi, where oh. it's, like, uh, basically the long table, and she's, like, the person with the dice, and then you're betting, like, even or odd, and then wagering an amount. Um, thank you for that. Um... Yeah, and she has beef of Claudine initially because Claudine is the one who talked to Futaba about like applying to this school or mm-hmm. the, this troop that um, this troop that uh, Futaba ends up applying to and essentially taking herself away from uh, Karoko. And so Karoko is mad because it's like you're my boo. Um, this mm-hmm. is kind of like this weird thing where like you know the girls are paired because they are. Uh, coded as being lesbian lovers um, <laughs> if that was not apparent from the way that we've been talking about this that is 
we're making it apparent now. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> and so it's kind of like each couple is having their fight. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Like, the, like <laughs> what it's actually having in the review because things are changing and they, like people need to move on and, you know, like, what does it mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so let's talk about, like, did you love Kuroko and Futaba's fight? What were your feelings about it? I, yeah, I, it was, I was definitely into it because I liked, again, I, I, uh, I, I've watched all the Zatoichi films, so these, like, Japanese gangster movies I'm into, and so I was like, oh my god, yes! And then it was very appropriate for their characters. And, like, I think this one, this one was, like, maybe the most, like, on its face exciting to me, mm. because it is, like, I think it's, like, the most energetic because they're and they're both just like yelling at each other and they're just like very high energy and angry Mm -hmm. and like they both make their entrances like their declarations and then there's like the the yankee music in the background and then like they're on like fucking trucks and like hurling at each other all of a sudden because the because the the like lights of their stage are these fucking trucks and then uh they get on them and like battle yeah I, I really liked uh, I really liked this one. Um, this what did is, you think? Yeah. It's interesting because I think that for me, Kuroko has always been a character that like I like ha- I thought I was gonna really like aesthetically at first and then she's disappointed me. Mm-hmm. But she has one of maybe my favorite moments in the thing in the scene where like um oh, what does she say exactly? It's something about like these are the kind of woman I like because mm. like Futaba like freaks out about something. And I feel like it's like the most direct, um, the direct declaration of like desire out of all the girls, even though they're clearly paired and they're clearly doing like a breakup of sorts. Mm. You know what I mean? Um, this is like, yeah, it feels like the, like this is the one that was like uh, erotic in a different way than the other ones like this one actually felt like there was like sexual chemistry and it was coming from Kuroko because I think when she says this she's like uh she's like switched out of her kind of like uh, more mask um Yakuza outfit and she's like then in like a more seductress outfit oh yeah when she does the, the she's oh. in the Marta, martini glass right? <laughs> yeah yeah you mean okay so they do the they do the, the like charge at each other with the the buses right or the yeah. and then it switches to like this weird like lounge and she's in yeah a very form fitted dress and then i think futaba is in a tux with the fedora mm-hmm. and they're yeah. having a conversation and it sounds like they are like old lovers that are meeting up again and it's just like oh you're fucking face again and it's like well why are you still mad though like let's and just it's make like, up let's just kiss and make the... up Let's make out. <laughs> well, I love the like, like I don't wait for like I'm not I don't know if I'm gonna wait for you, like I don't want to wait forever for you. Mm-hmm. And this like, like yeah, they give like it's really interesting that they're the ones that are kind of really explicit, more explicit than the sh- than the movie like really goes into everybody else. Um, you kind of have to read between the lines for some of the other ones, maybe a little bit more. Um, yeah. Because this is because again, like Kuroko's being like really like, um, uh, like upfront about it. Um, mm-hmm. So, but that, that's all I have to say about that. Did you have anything else to say? Um, about the two of them. I think I think at the time I really liked their song. 
And yeah, oh. overall, I was like really impressed with um, like how on brand their review was. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah, they they were doing this was excellent. <laughs> I was just like, this is this is all that I needed, <laughs> actually. So good. Yeah. Um, and then we have um, was it uh, Mahiru? I think it's Hikari and Ma- Mahuru next. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Um, which uh, With the baseball. They basically do baseball, and then they end up doing like a lot of like sports drag. So you get to see them in the kind of all these like you know, someone's in like a gym outfit. They're mm-hmm. like in like a basketball outfit, right? Like they, like they running track. Switching. Yeah. Yeah, they keep tra- doing like their different sports uniforms. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't. My memory of this one's kind of like distant. Um, it, it, Oma here is trying to be like the villain, right? And she's trying to be like mad at Hikari to like teach her like a lesson, right? Like that's kind of what she's acting as because she kind of wants Hikari to get out of her head mm-hmm. to save her, to save Karen. Mm-hmm. Um, that, I think that that's the memory of it. Mahiru has this entire thing around this kind of like mascot character. And so hers kind of like lends itself to be weird because it's like mascot character and baseball slash sports. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I don't know. I I mostly feel like okay, but that's again I'm a little distant. Um, well, and I I do remember being like, oh, I like this for you, Mahiru, like a little bit. Yeah, when I saw the the last. The, the first review, I thought, oh, okay, so all the reviews are going to be sort of like someone or how these, like what kind of genre these characters are. Mm-hmm. And I, that pretty much fell apart. To, and this, this, that notion fell apart with this one in my mind because I don't think it really goes that way ever again. Yeah. Um, but it does make sense for Mahira to be so, I mean, she loves baseball. That's a big thing. Like she's really into baseball and she's kind of like sillily strong. But she's also like kind of awkward, and she she's not really like actually competition when it comes to like strength as a fighter in the review compared to like Nana or what people like the credit people give Maya. Even though I'm like eh, I don't know, I don't think Maya actually ranks that high. Oh, spoilers! <laughs> I was like that's hilarious. <laughs> um, I well that okay so. Mahiro's uh, review had all the Mr. Um, Mr. Whites, I think, right? No. Or no. She just, she, <laughs> you're thinking of Hikari. Hikari's into Mr. White. Mahiru's into Suzu, Suzudaru Cat. Oh, yeah, Suzudaru thing. Cat. Yeah, so they're all the <laughs> Suzudaru Cats. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah. there we go. Because Mr. White's a bear. Yeah, right. That's the like, pouch <laughs> she has. Right. But the Suzudaru Cat is a cat, and it is a white cat. Yeah, but no, it makes sense. Yeah, it but, makes uh, sense. It, it, You're it, also, like, fictional to that universe, so you not, like, knowing them is totally fine. Yeah. The, <laughs> the, um, they, like, all, like, basically react to how Mahiru's feeling. And it does mm. get a little dark for a minute, because I think they all get, like, red eyes when, when Hikari's, like, being like, no, I'm not gonna do it. I'm not, I, I, is deep in self-doubt, and Mahiru's like, I, I will, I will hurt you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well and i think that this is where the, sorry it's just like a moment where like i wish that like they felt like they were 
I mean, they're clearly in, like, some underworld space, like, almost. But I wish that we, like, didn't know that they, like, were totally fine. Because mm-hmm. I think it would make that kind of threat, like, feel more real. Because it doesn't feel real when we, like, know that it's just acting. Right. Although part of it is kind of, like, maybe how well they they fulfill the role. Mm-hmm. And so even though they're not going to be harmed, it is, like, how real how real the harm seems to them in the moment is part of the role too oh uh uh-huh um yeah in a way it reminds me of like how people used to like rp back in the day in the internet when the internet was young and people would be like rping in like chat rooms or like on Gaia or some shit you know people like play their role and like there's no there's no health bar people aren't actually playing a game so if people were having like full on fights or something, there's a point at which realistically their character would have to say I give up no. or else yeah. they would just be like, no, I summon a meteor. <laughs> it's just like, uh, okay, you kind of killed the show. Right. So right, I kind of right. get how I, it, it, in a way it makes like meta sense that it's not real. It takes things off the board for sure. But then in a way it's like still engaging in the moment even though there's like kind of no stakes Mm -hmm. but the drama is is what it's about you know yeah and yeah but yeah mahiru and hikari i just remember i was just like oh yeah okay the plot has moved forward we talked to mahiru and then that was it (laughs) (laughs) that's all folks yeah it's not Um... that i don't like mahiru it's just because there's like a you know the weird three person like chemist like dynamic between them that is way more explained in um, the phone the game. game. Yeah. So it's like kind of makes sense that they just kind of have like a very clinical review, and then it's also really not they're not a pair, so it feels it felt a little flat. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's interesting because like the way that Mahiru is definitely like more featured in the phone game and. That's because her, like, voice actor is, like, um, was more available to, like, record voices for the characters, like, maybe. Mm-hmm. So, like, in some ways, like, Mahiru has, like, more weight in the phone game than mm-hmm. she does in the show. In the show, she's, like, various, like, jealous, like, light, yandere potential, mm-hmm. you know? And then, like, it doesn't, like, manifest anywhere. And so, like, she doesn't have the texture or the tension because low-key no one actually cares for my heroes going after school mm-hmm. um <laughs> right so like but they have to include her some way and so she has to exist as the like um emotional stepping stone um for hikari right, right. um which is kind of she was the emotional stepping stone for karen so right it like makes it like makes sense and like part of the part of the part of the cuteness of the fight is that it's a total reversal of her and Karen's fight because Karen and Mahiru have a fight with similar aesthetics and mm-hmm. so you're kind of getting like a throwback um, which is much of Hikari's journey she like switches places with Karen mm-hmm. um, yeah but our next kind of fight um, you know time Francesca yeah um, yeah our next, our next, our next fight is with um, 
not a Daiba in Juna. And so, how did this land with you? Uh, yeah, I loved the Nana Daiba films. <laughs> like, thing that was there, I was just like, oh, this makes, this makes a lot of sense again for the meta of it all. Mm-hmm. And then, um, she was a scary banana. I mean, you were like, oh, I wanted to sit with the horror for a little bit earlier, but I was like, but it, it kind of came. <laughs> we kind of got there. Well, she comes off no joke in the beginning of that review because she literally like mimics, um, like, like almost cutting Juna's head off, but then also being like, if you're not gonna fucking like, if you're not ready for to move on, then like kill yourself, right? Mm-hmm. Like commit seppuku, right? Like that's what Nana basically suggests in the very beginning of that review. Mm-hmm. Um, and this is not this is sorry, this is again we're in metaphor land. So this is metaphor, kill yourself. <laughs> right. Right. Um, Not something that we are suggesting or uh, to anyone. Um, <laughs> I mean, she's definitely um, like, is... you should just give up. And then the, like, the visuals are yeah. just like, yeah, this, traditional. Like, spiritual, spiritual death. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I just want to say that I did have a note that said, hot, Jenna, hot, tell her to come kill you. it's just like i know we're talking about death here but there's a way in which the death is fun and also becomes kind of um like like flirtatious in my mind yeah yeah literally you it's like you know you know like the little death you know (laughs) you know like the little death exactly there's different kinds of death right um like what are we talking about right now yeah yeah i think that so it's interesting that you were talking about futaba and kuroko because i actually well before the next fight happens i actually really like um nana and juna's fight Mm -hmm. um juna juna uses a bow and arrow um nana's just so hard so fucking cold um she ends up basically just like breaking juna down Mm -hmm. and juna doesn't give up and they kind of have these like crystals on like what like on how they're trying to fight and i love when juna fucking resists almost like resists this uh nana is a cancer (laughs) um this like cancerian like kind of like heavy emotional manipulation that's like really like cold and standoffish when they're like trying to move on through something mm. um i love that um that that nana um or that juna like resists it fights back and that when she doesn't have a bow anymore she like makes herself a sword right. i thought that was so cool and like what it meant and like you know her like no longer using the bow and arrow from a distance fighting her Mm -hmm. i thought that was great um and then like you know the roles get reversed and it's like nana who leaves the fight crying um Mm -hmm. because she's the one that's actually really gutted um about the change and about the moving the moving on right true can't true cancer queen nana daiba is my true cancer queen but Um, wasn't it wasn't it kind of like the fact like isn't the fact that like jenna is capable of being extremely independent like most of these characters have some sort of dependency on each other mm-hmm, but like mm-hmm. jenna is like kind of set apart from everybody because she's always been the smart one and is like been more interested in like i think like scripts and stuff i mean nana's interested in doing stage stuff but it also is like stage craft 
like actual like scenery and stuff like she hangs out with the the set people right well she like weirdly does both right because what what you find out is that nana's been low-key stage crafting her own play because well this will be spoilers but nana is the one that keeps them in the loop right right and so the, her interest in kind of becoming more of like stage manager kind of comes out of her living this loop and stage managing each loop into like her kind of picturesque play right <laughs> until she like wins again and like does it again so she's the one that's actually like closer to like script writing because she was literally like being like i know what you you have a script i've done this for however many fucking loops right well and okay Um, so going back to like the first fight for a second like she's also reading the script because she keeps telling them the same line that the giraffe said in the mm -hmm. first place and she's the one who kind of says it to like actually starts saying it to them and just kind of like taking on the play but then the thing okay so there's that like and there's the fact that like yeah Nana is really like the stage master of it all or like stage director. Mm-hmm. But like I feel like Jenna's the one who writing is is like weighted on more. Like she's given more credence for being able to write stuff. I think I I'm pretty sure in the show or at least in the um the game like you see you hear like writing like being interested in writing, I feel like. I I'm so sorry. I I don't have the same memory. Uh, um, okay, well I'll cut I'm, it. It's fine. I, I was like, I was like, I'm thinking the one time I think that this would land is in the review one where L. Sorry, we're gonna really talk off brand for a second. Um, you can just cut it up if you want to. But the um is when L is like is when the stage writing person is trying to write the like the Arcana play. And then Maya gets her in touch with L. Mm-hmm. I don't remember if June is there. Mm. And that's like, because it's like Michiru's definitely there. Maybe June is there. Maybe she does have something to do with writing. I just don't. Rem- I I don't remember that being core to her character. Because 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 going back going back to you talking about everyone's kind of codependent, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and kind of like pointing to to Nana's codependence of Juna, right? Like you'd think. There's in some ways that you think June is the, like, codependent one, but she's not. Like, you're saying, like, she's, like, very independent. And Nana's the one that's actually going through the grief because she's losing kind of her support system and this, like, moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's framed as Juna not being self-confident, mm-hmm. which it goes to her being overthinking and, like, not thinking. Because remember, she's, like, when t- in the beginning of the scene, she's, like, I don't think I deserve to be on the stage yet or something like she says something self-deprecating mm. in the virgo way that she might express herself <laughs> um and so like nana takes that like kind of intensely and personally as giving up and Juna's like i haven't given up right and like that's their tension mm-hmm. is that like there's a way in which Juna maybe has like always been down and hard on herself right and Juna doesn't feel that way anymore but Nana's trying to like force that narrative upon her because like that's all she can see in her own grief and so like that that story ends up like flipping itself on its head mm-hmm. because you because it's kind of framed around this this lack of self-confidence and self-love that Juna has but mm-hmm. you're like that never existed in the first place 
Right. Um, and it's actually Nana's the one that's like in grief about the whole circumstance. Yeah. Um, which is why she loses and why she cries, and then like why they play the same lines back to each other. Mm-hmm. They do. They do some version of that. I don't remember. Loop. <laughs> yeah, and then they go There's... their separate ways. I think because, or yeah, 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 they do. Yeah. But isn't um, oh, I I don't think you see either one of them in someone else's again until the end mm-hmm. when they all meet. No, up. no, no, no. No, these these reviews are very discreet. Right. But Claudine did show up in Futaba and Kaoruko's. <laughs> but she's only she's only there to like because they never say what they never say directly what Claudine does. You literally have to like pay attention <laughs> and like realize that like or Kuroko is mad because Claudine is the one that inspired Futaba to leave Kuroko. Mm. And that's why she's there in the beginning because it's almost like Kuroko's like throwing all of her shade and aggression to Claudine and she's like projecting onto Claudine when she's actually mad at Futaba for making the decision. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. It's like, it's not my girlfriend's fault. It's my girlfriend's friend's fault who, like, supported her. Right. And then Futaba's <laughs> like, no, you're going to talk about this with me. Me. Yeah. <laughs> and so that's why Claudine's there. But, like, you know, she's only there very, very quickly. Yeah. Okay. That's why in the in earlier I was getting confused and thinking there were weaving. Because she shows up, but then I was like, I don't think anybody else actually shows up. Although at least two people go fight a second fight, which is yeah. Nana and then Claudine fights again, and then Hikari fights again. Yeah. yeah. So I did. I did really like this one. Don't get me mm-hmm. wrong. I liked it, but it wasn't. It was a different kind of energy. Like the pacing was different. I liked both, but I I really liked how fast paced and aggressive um, the, f- the, the first, first one, one was. Yeah, that makes yeah that, that makes a lot of sense. I think that like. The, it this one surprised me. Mm. I was surprised when Juna did the sword, and I was surprised, especially because there's like nothing in that digest, like you know, in the games or whatever. Mm. Like that was just something new for Juna. Mm. Um, even though they do something similar actually with Yachio, um, which I don't know if you're that far in the story, um, but they do something. Y- Yachio gets a sword at some point, or like a spear, but anyway, because she's you know a crossbow, right. Um, that was literally only for the two of us. If you don't know who Yachio is, I am not actually sorry. Um, and, <laughs> and so you should be sorry if you don't know who Yachio is. She's an icon. Um, and so, <laughs> uh, so yeah, yeah. I was surprised by that, and then I love the reversal where like Nana's the one in tears. I mm-hmm. love, I love it so much. I love most things when Nana is. Um, the true epitome of cancer energy and mm. all of its toxicness and beauty. I stand for Nana so hard. I don't stand for a lot of things. <laughs> That's not my generation, but Nana I stand for. Um, she never has to love me back, but I will always love her. Um, um, I'm, <laughs> I'm pretty sure at some point the, the dub said, um, Jonna said, come take my last breath. I just <laughs> And you were like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I was just like faint. <laughs> yeah, the like uh, the like sexual tension between like most of these fights is just like kind of wild. wild. Yes, it is insane. Um, so we're gonna move on to the next fight, and this is funny because um, 
I only remember these four fights. I actually, like, have no memory of, like, kind of how the last one ends. I'm, like, trying to think about it. Right. Um, but anyway, so the next fight is uh, Maya and Claudine. We, these are two Leo uh, lovers going at it. Um, and, you know, it's so interesting because I thought their fight was so good. Really? I was so here for it. <laughs> I know that I've been asking you what your thoughts about the fight No, were, no, but tell me your thoughts. I was, like, there's, like, a moment of, like, choreo that happens in the fights that's just so much better than, like, what we've gotten everywhere else. Um, I think they're, like, falling onto a platform or something, and they do, like, a flip, and they just do this, like, really good fight choreography. Mm-hmm. Um, I love fucking Maya and her... Um, white swan like dress like the (laughs) outfit changes were like really good Mm -hmm. um i obviously love claudine being like i am the devil that like um that you're gonna make a pact with and like you can kill me as many times and i will resurrect over and over again because (laughs) like you need to move on like you need to get outside of who you think you are and Mm. be the maya that i like love and then i also love that the fight um ends with like the with Maya admitting defeat to Claudine and you know Maya always beats Claudine but this is like the first time that Claudine gets to win Mm -hmm. the fight which was like so fucking good because this is basically like um this is basically a series of like underdog fights being the beating the person that's like better than them you Mm -hmm. know on some level or like for some of these um but like there's this moment where they're, like, exhausted laying down, like, laying on the ground with each other, and they, like, actually hold hands. And, like, there's this moment of, like, just, for me, I was like, this is intimacy, right? Like, this, like, solidifies your relationship in a way that, like, you don't have the, like, the lust and the, the intensity that, like, Karoko's doing, and you don't have, like, kind of the, like, grief, but we're, like, not gonna talk about it, that Juna and, and um juna and uh, nana have like this is like maya and claudine have always loved each other and like claudine's usually the sundere and and she's not being sundere and so like they get to have tension but also intimacy in like a softer way than we get to see everywhere else Mm -hmm. and then like maya's just like let's play again you know what i mean like it's just they're yeah they just they just are you know we talked about this in a lost podcast episode about like what makes Maya and Claudine work compared to a different um romantic uh pair and that's alluded to in the phone game mm-hmm. um and like I think that this just movie gave it to me while also giving beautiful choreography yeah um and I just can't with the like fucking um star like emblem coming like coming from Claudine's tongue you know that that's like what she's like doing in her fucking review card next month i'm so i'm so hyped (laughs) no i did not know this um even though i love nana daiba the my pair my pair my pair is spearheaded by fucking claudine saijo and i just yeah that that fight really lives lives deeply in my memory clearly because mm-hmm. i clearly remember most of it i'm like I mean, the cause of, i'm like yeah you put it nicely because it's like they're holding hands but they're holding hands like opposite like they're they're 
heads are at each other's feet and i was i remember being oh. like this is still gay as fuck like i don't care if they're not on the same side i don't care if they're i don't care if their pinkies are touching i don't care if it looks like the top of the sistine fucking chapel this is <laughs> this is lewd <laughs> <laughs> I don't care if it looks like fucking Genesis. Oh, yeah. but it is because they're doing it again tomorrow. <laughs> yeah. There everybody else was like, I have to go away. Somebody was like, I have to go away. And the other one was like, fuck you. And then and then a fight ensued and they were like, okay, okay, we're going to make it work. Yeah. And then like Maya and Claudine are basically like, you're going away. Yeah, I know. Okay. All right, so how many hours do we have? Bet. Yeah. <laughs> We're still yeah. going to be fucking together is basically what their fight was. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, like, like it was literally like Maya has this like picture of herself and then like almost as if like Maya has like reached the limits of herself. Mm -hmm. And Claudine is like, you will never reach the limits of yourself because I will always be chasing you and I will all like, we will always be together mm -hmm. like right like we will always be no matter time or space we will always be together and i will always be the one chasing after you like it's just so good yeah so good which and like yeah. chasing chasing after in a, in a in a position of reciprocity right where maya wants to be chased and they end the evening they end the day of chasing in each other's bed right like it's mm -hmm. not like maya's chased in like they they're not able to have like a like a moment of connection and revelry or whatever, right? Um, it's I like mean, no, Maya will get caught and right. they will they will do the things they need to do Which, to express their joy. Yes, whatever that means. <laughs> a pinky, a palm. <laughs> Sorry, I was gonna make a better reference. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking movie. <laughs> Okay, so the thing in, about these two is that it's sometimes hard to figure out who's in charge. Mm -hmm. And uh, I, I just wanted to say I liked um, at least when sometimes when Claudine is saying things in the series, it just feels like she's the second, she's in second place, right? Mm -hmm. But this, it was really nice with this dialogue because it was it kind of just solidifies Maya's first because Claudine is chasing her down at second. Right. So like it's it's really not so hierarchical. Mm, mm, and I mm, liked mm. um yeah, I liked how it was more like reciprocal, right? And yeah, and that is a that is a standout of their relationship. I'm glad you said that earlier. <laughs> <laughs> um cool. And then I think that you so the only part I remember is that they're all on the train and they're singing. Um, mm -hmm. Because, again, this is a revue theater, and so this is also, like, um, a music number is happening. A different musical song is being sung by this cast of characters. Mm -hmm. So I just remember them singing. I That's it. <laughs> I, I just remember <laughs> everybody, yeah, everybody singing, and then didn't they, like, blow the top off the Tokyo Tower? And mm, right. there was, like, another series of dialogues i think the giraffe became fruit and then imploded it became fire so yeah it was like fruit for the giraffe was like i too am fruit for your passion right and yeah 
and then the passion engulfed him. And then I just I just remember that they blew the top off the tower, and then they ah. Uh... Well, like it's like Hikari's okay. Karen's depressed because Hikari's not there on the stage mm-hmm. with her, mm-hmm. and like Hikari's basically like the stage needs you, like right, like it's supposed to be like. Not I need you, but the stage needs you, and, like, you need to be here with the stage. I think that that's, like, kind of the point. Mm-hmm. So that's the point of, like, the whole, like, that that was a that was kind of the point of, like, Karen trying to get Hikati, right? Like, you can't do the stage by yourself. Mm-hmm. You, need, like, need to be with me. Yeah. We um, made this promise, and I kept my promise, so where are you? Yeah, and so... And so it's supposed to be, like, I guess the ending is about, like, kind of reinvigorating that love. Because she kind of finally accomplished the promise. That's what it is. She con- she accomplished the promise of doing Starlight with Hikari. Mm-hmm. And so it was, like, Karen was directionless. She didn't know where to go. She was the one that was, like, I don't know what to do with myself. Right. I don't know what to do with my life. Mm-hmm. And so Hikari was trying to be, like we have other stages to be a part of and so you like need to move on for that right mm-hmm. um and so i that's the gist of their moment could not tell you i don't think it's a fight right i think it's like um a, a motive like you're depressed i need to like lift you up yeah it's that's my like vague memory yeah i i think they basically just like destroy the blockage and like have this mm. moment yeah and then it sort of just becomes like the end credits with the vignettes, right? Yeah. Well, it's like every like everyone kinds of come together, and like we've all kind of like resurrected from because they're doing. We really do this the long way. They're like doing like the legit hero's journey, where like you go into the underworld, you like face some part of yourself, and mm-hmm. you can like rise out as like new and like you know transformed and like able to take on into life. Right, um, and so everyone to kind of does that in like a song together, mm-hmm. and then we get the really cute vignettes of them in college, mm-hmm. and it's uh, yeah, sorry, well, so no, precious. I think everybody ends up where they said they were going to go. Although, um, well, what is it? Kaoruko goes back to Kyoto. Um, mm-hmm. Claudine, oh no, yeah, Claudine. Claudine's in in France. Is it? Yeah, she's in France. Then Mahiru, Futaba, and Maya. Maya are in the theater. See, I totally forget where the fuck Maya is. She's in the. They're in the troupe together. Right. So they're all doing they're like that, and they're in Japanese troupe. Right. Like apprenticing, or just like they're the newest like actors in the troupe. Mm-hmm. And then Nana went to uh, Rata. Which was like the prestigious school in, in, in England. England, yeah, the Royal well, Academy, uh-huh. right? Of theater arts. And then, um, <laughs> yeah, they visit Claudine in France. Okay. Yeah. And then June is uh, in the states. Yeah, she's in like an experimental avant-garde theater or something like that. I thought. Yeah, she's like studying. She's like studying theater practically. Right. Like she's doing, like yeah. Um, and then, I mean, are you trying to remember where like Karen is? Yeah, I mean, um, Hikari is acting, and then Karen is visiting everybody. 
No, because it's still like from. Oh God, not us not knowing the end of this movie. Yeah. It's the good move. Like it is good. It's just kind of like, what does this even mean? I was honestly like looking in in the things for like like Easter eggs for the other girls from the game and. Oh yeah, there's like none. Yeah, it's sad. Oh, that's right. Karen is seen at an unspecified audition. That's right. Unrevealed. Oh yeah. You didn't know where she was gonna go in the first place. Mm-hmm. She's there with her like bag and waiting to audition for something. Yeah, and then they're like. They're like, number whatever, like, it's your time to audition. And she's like, okay. And then you just get that sense of, like, oh, she's at least still with the stage. Right. She's trying to become an actor. Yeah. Right. Um, That's right. But who who visits everywhere? Hikari. Hikari is the one who's visiting everybody, right. Yeah, yeah, because they make her and, yeah. They kind of, like, this movie's really interesting in the sense that, like, she becomes Karen. Right, mm. like she becomes like the like narrative kind of like center, right? Hati, um, even though Karen was the narrative center in the show, they like switch places like really intentionally, right? Um, yeah, yeah. Review. Oh <laughs> Literally, it's just like sorry, and this like uh, the summary it just says holding hands, they commit. Once more to their rivalry to come, which is fucking Claudine and Maya. <laughs> so it it really was tender, but um, <laughs> wait, sorry, I was about to try to close this out. Oh yeah, I was gonna say final thoughts, <laughs> but like also like maybe review rankings. Wait, oh um, okay. I was thinking this is funny because I was thinking about this during the show, mm. um, or like while I was watching it. I think. I'm going to do Maya and Claudine 1, hmm. um, fucking uh, Juna and Nana 2. Um, then I'm going to have to do Futaba and Kuroko 3. Mm. With This is going to be weird to say. I think I had a bigger impression of watching this fight um, when I was watching the movie, but because I could not remember it at all... I'm going to have to do Mahiru and Hikari fourth, <laughs> and then last, Hikari and Karen, because, like, even if it was really well animated, I don't remember it. Right. I say enough about its ranking in my brain. Right. Because <laughs> I struggled to figure to figure out how this movie ended, <laughs> even though I knew that they fought each other. Yeah, somewhat. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I would, I would say probably... Yeah, Futaba and Kaoroko are my favorite. And then I would probably put Jenna and Nana and then Maya and Claudine. And then the same oh. as you. Yeah. Yeah, the last two. Yeah. Wow, our top threes are very different. <laughs> yeah, I love exactly. it. <laughs> but, um, yeah. All the, I mean, they're all very good, except for the I mean the last two, but it's also maybe the last two are actually part of like the, the through line of the vignettes of like their store their childhood. So yeah. I feel like they're more it's like more watered down because it's kind of like the the forward movement of the movie, I think. Yeah, yeah. And it was like, I think I think part of like the like lesson impact is that it felt like it rewrote entirely the like the like uh, uh, 
the dynamics of Hikari and Karen's relationship to be completely not what was shown in the anime. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there was almost, like, they ha- they it was, like, too much work to rebuild that in a movie while you're also supposed to be, like, kind of, like, dealing with these, like, big climactic arcs for characters that went through something for the last year that we didn't see. Right. Right? Like, the movie gave you enough context to figure out why there was tensions and why people were feeling grief if you only saw the TV series. Mm-hmm. But, like, actually, like, that sequel it has like a year of time of things that happened of like closeness and whatever that has happened that like yeah doesn't it doesn't it's like hard right Mm -hmm. especially with like knowing that juna and nana really don't get together and like i don't think nana sees juna as like a formal equal and pair until like the end until after she loses to hikari and the show Mm -hmm. right um and that kind of solidifies their relationship so like their relationship has definitely changed in the series and then even more so in the year that we didn't see. Mm-hmm. So to like kind of flip that on Hikari and Karen and almost like rewrite everything that we knew about them mm-hmm. is so... <laughs> it makes it hard. Yeah. It makes it makes it hard. Yeah. Um, And, you know, like Karen is having like basically... Sorry, there's just names we're going to say that y'all don't know. Um, like, an Aruru moment, but, like, Aruru's moment is built over so many chapters in the phone game. Yeah. And, like, so we That's have fair. all the context for, like, why she's depressed and, like, why, like, whatever. Right. And so, like, Karen's just, it makes sense uh, diegetically, but doesn't have the same impact that these other narratives have. Because their dynamics are like mostly the same in, of how we know them you know or it's playing with something that we know about their dynamics yeah um, versus hikari and karen which is just like this is out of nowhere and your third person is gone because that chemistry isn't here in this tv series mm-hmm. very weird mm. yeah oddly um, it's about growth but it really is like kind of about the thing about their relationships that doesn't change yeah yes yes mm-hmm. and then like weirdly their relationship changed the most like uh texturally <laughs> hikari and karen's yeah i mean <laughs> so they had like, none wait, or what? they did they have like the deepest longest relationship but theirs is the most chaotic because they like literally like well, hikari done... will just fucking leave <laughs> it's done on all these promises that you make when you're young yeah and like those promises like they don't last in the same intensity if you don't do active things to renew them Mm -hmm. and it feels like because of that relationship happening when they were younger that they almost had the biggest hurdle to get across which i yeah or i I think i think the movie like does but like also is like harder to to fully feel the impact of when you're also dealing with seven other characters right <laughs> but then but then karuko and futaba are childhood friends and they have grown up knowing oh. each other right but they don't have the gap in time exactly so it's like sometimes have, yeah. like they're i mean their words hit each other like they reach each other right but they get pissed off at each other and they're very brutally honest whereas like yeah so much goes unsaid and so much went unsaid and there's like scenes in the movie where karen is always like um what is it me and i kick on i uh she's like i won't listen and i won't look and i won't like try to search, search. 
Yeah. And so it's like oddly they they have a very strong relationship because of the self isolation. Yeah. And then it's, it's almost like, like they don't know how to that Karen put on herself. Yeah. That like never that Hikari never like forced her to do. Yeah. And it's like maybe being afraid of like meeting your idol in a way. Yeah. Well, it's like I feel like it's also like the what communication is really important in relationships no matter how frequent they are Mm -hmm. and it doesn't mean that like everyone needs the same amount of frequency in a relationship but with almost like a decade of like not talking to someone like the way that eats out the foundation of your relationship is just kind of a natural erosion because you're not getting the things that nourish and validate that relationship to begin with you know what i mean um which... And so, like, hmm. it makes, I was just saying, like, it makes sense why she was trying to be persistent, but it also makes sense, like, why that, like, erosion was so felt, especially when Hikari kind of dipped without mm-hmm. seemingly, like, saying anything. Well, and maybe that makes sense for why, like, their final stage is always in a desert where there's nothing mm-hmm. stable, and the only thing that's really stable is the Tokyo Tower, which is in the background of the playground they used to play in. Yeah, so it's, it's yeah exactly so it's like here's this like here's this like symbol of the foundations of your friendship but it is amid nothing because you you never built anything around it and it's like mm-hmm. constantly shifting right so i mean it all it makes sense but like they're they're their storyline is so like inundated with all these other ideas and like they have probably the most complicated um, dynamic, I think. So it yeah. maybe makes sense that they can't just like, you know, like figure it out in a really stylistic or like well choreographed way. Cause in a way they're like still trying to figure out how they fit together. Yeah, and I yeah, it almost feels like the meta like the metaphorically needs to extend to like a, a, a an an even more extreme place than the movie like allowed itself to go, but it was uh, didn't allow itself to go there because the narrative was about all the girls moving on, right? So mm-hmm. it had to like weave the other seven in at this moment, mm-hmm. where I think in the TV series like Karen goes to find Hikari fully alone, mm-hmm. right? And so, like, they have this moment almost in, like, the most private of off, like, isolated time and space places. Mm-hmm. No hugs, right? no hugs. No space hugs. Yeah. <laughs> I think they do, like, a version of it. I think Hikari is naked at some point in the finale of the TV series. But, what, regardless, you know, and so it, the, the, the movie, I think, it doesn't, it doesn't quite get there because... And again, by rewriting kind of everything we knew about that relationship, it layered the relationship in a way that, like, the uh, like the kind of proper resolution needed to go beyond what it could, like, give. Right. And maybe what could Hikari could give in that relationship, um, which is, like, really interesting. Because, yeah. Yeah. Mm. In some ways, the relationship feels more romantic leaning in those tv series than it did here um right which is maybe why also like my i don't have as good of a memory of it right because the other the other 
three like relationships they really felt like they were like no we're in relation and we like need to figure this out like well, i need to sort my feelings out and inspiring karen to be on stage again at some point that's inspiring her but it's not actually about her and hikari's relationship also on the other hand there right. is like a it's almost like a weird same promise instead of a change promise mm-hmm. like we'll meet again on some t- stage together but i'm just saying the same thing that i said to you when i was like when we were six <laughs> we'll meet on we'll meet on the stage and do starlight right you know <laughs> like it's like it's like it's like not yeah i mean in a way it pushes them forward but it's like their relationship actually hasn't maybe grown yeah they just grown. they just like um yeah. re like revow their yeah like, recommit themselves to each other yeah, they did. They they said their vows again. <laughs> yeah, they did. They were like, "I will see. We will do something like Starlight again sometime." Sometime soon. Um, yeah, and like, yeah, and it's interesting because like Mahiru being the ninth girl and not being able to be paired with anybody mm-hmm. because of like kind of normativeness. Um, there's no way for her to really like loop in and kind of like make that moment better. Mm-hmm. Um, or like. Like, you know, like, Hikari couldn't be, like, come with me. Like, Karen... Like, there could have been a moment where Hikari was, like, come with me, Mahiru, don't stay behind. Like, Karen needs both of us. And mm-hmm. then that could have been a very different ending. That is true. <laughs> Instead of, like... That might have been yeah. a better ending. <laughs> I, I think it would have been. I think that that's what they needed to do. Because diegetically in the series, I don't... I think this is... Who, I this is gonna be funny someone uses this word a lot around me and I've adapted it mm. but I feel like I've adapted it in a way where like I don't fully know what the word means and I just hope every single time I use it correctly um anyway <laughs> but I think that like based on the the, the material and the the phone game that like some of that could have been incorporated in a way that like actually felt like whatever mm. because for for reference folks um uh, the past year, the second year of this phone game, um, all the girls kind of had birthday cards, and they had these birthday accessories um, that, you know, had the girls featured in these dresses. And when the year was over, um, Revu decided to pair all of the main girls together with kind of the official pairing. So kind of like being like, these are the two pairs of girls for the main school of the of of Seisha that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. These are the all their main pairings. And so when Hikari Karen and Mahiru came around, they're all together. So the game kind of acknowledges that they are a tr- a thruple to a degree. Right. Um and so like it doesn't separate Mahiru in the same way that this this movie clearly does. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> like Mahiru's like, no, I shared this couch. <laughs> right like <clears throat> we, you have been sleeping on my floor for two fucking years bitch go talk to your girlfriend i am tired of your shit yeah and yeah. it's like actually aren't you also a girlfriend like why aren't you both talking to your girlfriend yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. so yeah that probably would be the better twist yeah um we have rambled on for a while uh forgive us unless you enjoyed it um (laughs) i'm going to do a quick rundown because i just i like cannot do this you don't need to know their weapons but you have to know your their image colors Mm -hmm. as a color as someone who loves colors and colors being tied to characters thematically 
I cannot, cannot not do this. Mm-hmm. So Karen's image color is red. I know I already said that. Hikari's image color is a dark blue. Um, this is important. Shades are important in image colors. Um, <laughs> Mahiru is green. Um, so do they make an RGB lovely, um, like, visual color of, like, TV Trinity? Yes. Mm-hmm. Through the fusion of the three of them, you can make any color in the rainbow. Um, we have Nanadaiba being a very nice yellow. We have Juna Hurishimi. We'll see if I know their names. Um, in a nice light blue. Again, this is why shades are important. Um, we have Kuroko in um, a red-purple um, burgundy, but like a little bit more pink than your usual burgundy goes. We have Kuroko in a nice purple. Futaba Utsurugi? Do I know her last name? Kuroko's Hanagi, Hanagi right? Hanagi. Um, yeah, Futaba's the purple. Kuroko is the um, red, purple, a little bit pink. Hanayagi. Um, Sorry. Wait, it's Hanayagi? Hanayagi. Yeah, Hanayagi, yeah. No, it's like Hanaki. Um, and then um, last but not certainly least, we have Maya Tendo, who I did say briefly because I respect her, um, in gray. Um, this is really interesting because gray is not usually like a one. Um, and in the phone game, she's like gray, but she has light purple accents. Mm-hmm. And then this is important in comparison to another gray character in the phone game, but whatever. <laughs> and then <laughs> Claudine Saijo is orange. Um, and that's all for now. Mm-hmm. Um, Francesca and I do not have image colors, I believe. I don't think you do, Francesca. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, like Francesca might be gold, but we can argue about it. Wow. Um, that's true. You might be gold. I didn't say it. I didn't say you were. Um, <laughs> and you know, I just I I have color identity issues. Um, <laughs> you do. What what is this year? Isn't this purple? No. Wait, purple last year gone. That was last year. Shit. I didn't choose one this year. Oh, you didn't choose one this year. No. Okay. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it's like a it's like an ongoing process. I live with someone, I live with two people who have very deep color stories. Um, <laughs> I thought about being the, like, final trinity for that color story, but I don't, I don't think it is for me, to be honest. No, um, you, you shouldn't pick a color in order to fit. And, because it's not true to me. <laughs> so, you know, if you can think about an image color with my voice, let us know at this is thing that we have. Mm-hmm. Um, what is it, Francesca? <laughs> nice. Uh, it is bfgpod at gmail.com. Okay, and so that's our official email. You can answer my silly questions or give us suggestions. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, like, you know, things that we could watch, things that you want to hear us talk about, all those kinds of goody goody goodies. Mm-hmm. And then I think that's all for now because we are definitely over time. Yeah. And so I hope you loved us rambling. I hope some of that made sense. Right. And I hope it was at least entertaining when I laughed. <laughs> All right. Bye-bye. Later. <laughs> <laughs>